At ITP, we come from different countries all over the world, speak different languages, and consider different ideas. We, we are, are architects, architects dancers, dancers, mathematicians, mathematicians and artists, artists of every, of every kind. kind. For some reason, we all ended up here. From the fourth floor at Tisch, we bring you individual stories about makers and thinkers of ITP as we all learn, create, and of course, occasionally fail. Join us this semester as we go beyond the 10-second class intro. My name is Kai Rosen, and I am a native of Long Island, New York. What have you seen uh, on the floor or here at ITP in the last two weeks that inspired you or just made you feel like, yes, this is the place I want to be right now? Honestly, that happened months ago when I did the um, open house. I just walked around, and I just was this little small place. It's not that bigger than my whole entire undergrad. It was one floor as well, you know, and then I walk past 3D printers and I'm just like, this is where I belong. This is, I can see myself succeeding. And then, you know, I met Midori and Dano and, you know, it just was cemented that, you know, I'm, I got to get into ITP. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really like supportive and welcoming. Yeah. Oh, Midori especially, she's like, I, she had to deal with like emails with me for like every week since like May and you know, I'm sure she's sick of seeing my, you know, email. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to give Midori a plug as well because I don't know if everybody's interacted with her too much, but she is incredible for sure. Everybody I think should thank her because she, you know, does so much for our class and everybody. Yep. So, cool. Um... What was high school car like? And it's a two-part question. Did she, would she expect for you to be here now at ITP? I'm gonna get a little bit deep here. Of course, we love deep. Um, in fact, I probably didn't think I would be living to 25. Okay. Well, we're so happy that you're here. Yeah. And this is, an amazing opportunity and yeah we're so thankful that you're here so I'm really glad that you are contributing yeah. to this great class right <laughs> yeah I know it's just high school me would have been just like holy crap you actually lived past 25 <laughs> That's awesome. it, yeah I just high school car was not a not in a good place okay. then ITP car so you know <laughs> It was a good 10 years worth of work, and I'm still on the long road to recovery, but... Yeah, yeah, we all have a a steep journey to get through to be where we want to be, I guess, in life in general, so I hear you. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, So you were talking about, you were really, really interested in the 3D printers here on the floor. Is there something that you'd want to 3D print? Um, well, see, I have as a hobby, I'm sure you, everybody on the floor has heard about it, I do prop building and costume designing for, you know, Star Wars charity group, and a lot of the prop building and stuff is now, like, back in the day we used to do it by hand, and now some of the stuff we can 3D print, so it's more just like, I want to see what I can do with the 3D printer as well, and the terms of prop building that I can get away with here at ITP. That's super cool. I didn't know that, so thank you for sharing. That's super cool. What's, uh... 
what's something you're particularly proud of that you have made for these organiza- um, for this organization? Most of the stuff has been for myself because I okay. haven't really done anything for. I designed my own lightsaber. I didn't build it because at the time I was like a little, still new with the the building part. But um, I designed it, sent it over to my friend who uh, is our forge master, and he built he built it and sent it over. And it's you're probably gonna see it sometime within the next two years probably next week that's awesome that's so cool well I mean designing it is more than half the battle right so that's super cool and then everything else has been more for um helping like I didn't actually fully build it myself it's been a collaborative piece um one of my friends has a set of armor that I helped design and do logistics and build and he did the physical building and it ended up looking pretty awesome wow so you talked about Sorry, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting the term right. You said forge master? Yeah. So I don't know what that is, so I would love Essentially, to hear what that is. Essentially, it's kind of like, it comes from like, you know, blacksmithing when they make the sword, they work in the forge. He, his uh, unofficial title is forge master because he pretty much builds the group's lightsabers. <laughs> so he has like a space to build Yeah, it. he actually finally um, quit his day job and now doing it full time. So. Wow. And uh, he said if I get a little more confident with the P-Comp, I can be uh, one of his, join the team part-time. Because wow. he's, he's like, school takes priority, but if I might need some, you know, electronics help. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, that's so great. I saw that you mentioned online that you received something in the mail, like shoes or something? For, oh, yes. What was that um, for? I'm just oh, curious. I'm doing um, Ellen Ripley from Aliens. I'm doing, well, hopefully by Halloween I'll have the costume done, but it's more like, and then I'm going to elaborate it when Icon comes around and cosplay her. I just, um, my pieces were all over the place, and those were coming in from China, so I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to get them for Halloween. And right. I got home from class last night, and there they were. Perfect. (laughs) So um, can you talk a little bit about cosplaying in case people don't know what that is or they don't know that term? All right. Cosplay essentially is a portmanteau of costume and play. And essentially conventions and events, people dress up in costumes of their favorite characters. I'm sure you've all seen like 501st Rebel Legion, you know, the Darth Vaders and the Stormtroopers. Uh, it's not just Star Wars. A lot of people do anything from Doctor Who to Firefly to like stuff from anime and books. So you get a whole broad range. And I've been involved with cosplays since I was 13, 14 years old. Huh. Kind of been low key in the community because I'm not like heavy duty cosplayer. You know, it does take a lot of money. I will let you <laughs> let you know that some people can do closet cosplays like that, but a lot of the stuff if you really nice ones they do take a lot of money patient blood sweat and tears what do you think your parents think you're doing well funny when she mentioned that um my dad overheard me talk to my mom when i was ordering the arduino and he pretty much asked what does this have to do with art and i had to explain to him my pro- uh, program is not just art it's also tech Everybody was expecting me to be in that, like, go to some art school, and because Tish is art, and it's no, no, it's got technology in it too. My mom has a better idea, but hopefully, when they hit the winter show or spring show or whenever I have it, they're just gonna be like, oh, 
so that's what she does. <laughs> this is where she disappears for like 12 hours a day. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then um, any wise words of wisdom for people at ITP, even though we're all kind of starting together here? All right. Time management is like the most important thing you guys can do. <laughs> oh my gosh. And not just like, you know, scheduling your classes and all that at least get some time for yourself some self-care because I did like 18 credits in my first year my undergrad it got so sick that I had to take a semester off to recover because oh no. I was just straight off like four days a week and then whatever's left was work or you know doing my trooping so you know take some time for yourself even if it's like six hours for me you know Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. Back up. You're trooping. What is this? Please tell part me. Of, part of the cosplay thing. It's part of my, my oh. the charity groups and stuff. Got it. Got it. So what, what, what trooping, what is it? What it's a do? 501st term because they're stormtroopers. It's supposed to be like a troop. Mm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm a noob. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we, we call our events troops. Cool. So That's nice. So basically... Watch your time and take care of yourself. Essentially. <laughs> yes, time management. I need to work on that myself. So I think that that is wise words. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for meeting with me. No problem. Okay, hello. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Can you please state your full name? Full name? Like middle, too? If oh. you want to. <laughs> My full name is Stephanie Roberta Lily Colton. I go by Steph. That's fantastic. Okay, so the first question that we're asking everybody uh-huh. is, what do you think that everybody should see? You know, it could be a book, it could be a movie, it could be a country, it could be oh, an experience. Man. Just something that you would recommend to people. Yeah, oh, okay, alright. I would recommend that people see a country that is not their own, that they've grown up in. Whether it be, you know, the country next door, which may be fairly similar, or, uh, like, a country halfway across the world, I think. Being one, being in a place where you are not from there can be eye-opening, and, you know, having to deal with that feeling of an outsider, um, it's interesting. But then also finding similarities. That's great. Do you have a country that you've been to that you experience these things that you can... Um, I went to Greenland a couple years ago, and from a geography perspective, that was eye-opening, um, and also, yeah, because all the, the towns, are, they're called settlements, are very far apart, and so that degree of isolation was kind of eye-opening, and, you know, people lived in these settlements of, like, 20 to 30 people, and what is it like, um, having a community that small versus, like, coming from a city of a million people? was kind of eye-opening from that perspective. And then from the geography perspective, it was just um, barren landscapes are, like, fascinating, and uh, seeing icebergs, like, float down the water. It's not something you see every day, so it just kind of makes you think about where things come from. Yeah, did you meet anybody there that added any intrigue or Um, any conversations with anybody there that was really interesting? Well, to be, so it was a school trip, and it was there for research, um, architectural research, 
Um, so the way people lived in terms of their buildings were very interesting, um, and how the new architecture, so Greenland's a very nomadic place, um, and families often lived together through generations, but the new architecture that was going in didn't necessarily match that um, way of living traditionally. And so seeing how people adapted those structures that were sort of self-imposed, or not self-imposed, that were imposed on them was interesting. Um, they actually had this building that was like a kilometer, I don't know what that is in miles, a kilometer long, <laughs> Um, where they closed, basically shut down a bunch of settlements and housed 1% of the population of Greenland within this single building, which is kind of, like, crazy to think about. It's only 30,000 people, but so when you think of that as housing that many people that are used to living very far apart and having their own space, and then all of a sudden being in this very long building that's, like, four stories high, um, people would adapt it to the way they preferred living. I don't know what the question was. No, that was great. You were just talking about like an experience that you had in Greenland. It's really amazing. What so I'm because I heard you talk about kilometers and miles. So where are you from? And yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I am from Canada. I grew up outside of Toronto and I know anyone from Toronto hates when people that are not actually from, you know, the city of Toronto say they're from Toronto. But um I actually grew up in Brampton, which is about 45 minutes outside of Toronto, and for a while was the fastest growing city in all of Ontario, which was kind of my claim to fame. Um, I lived there all during my life, and then uh, went to university in Waterloo, which is also about 45 minutes outside of Toronto, um, which similarly was going through like a big uh, growth spurt while I was there due to the tech industry, and it's sort of been... Canada's Silicon Valley, yeah. <laughs> um, sort of, I don't know, I don't think anybody from Waterloo doesn't necessarily feel that way. Well, I guess it's, from what I've heard, is that um, everybody from Waterloo goes to Silicon Valley, so maybe... Yeah, yeah, so it's almost like this little breeding ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then when people, I guess, get, like, tired of living in the States, they come back to Waterloo and try to, like, recreate it. Got it. So. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm not from Toronto, so... Okay. I would not hate that you would say that you're from Toronto, <laughs> yeah. you're from Brampton. I'm familiar with Brampton, but I was actually born in Muskoka. So oh, cool. Yes. Yeah. For yeah. the listeners, it's um, two hours north of Toronto. It's kind of a cottage. Like the getaway. Yeah. The cottage getaway country area. So yeah. I'm not from Toronto either, even though I've been telling people that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's the city that everybody knows if they're not from Canada. Exactly. And so, like I say, my boyfriend's from Nova Scotia. And people are like, well, where is Nova Scotia? Right. I'm like, it's the province. It's further east. <laughs> Great. So, did you come here from Brampton, or did you were you here in the states before you came? To I um, have been living in Boston for the past two years, um, and actually, so my undergrad had a co-op program, which is like known for, um, or Waterloo is known for having co-op programs. So you work for, or you go to school for four months, and then you work four months, and then school, and then work, and so you never really get a summer. But it gave me the opportunity to live in a bunch of different cities and also try a bunch of different um, jobs out. And so I'd lived in New York for one co-op term, but after I graduated, I moved to Boston um, for two years and then came here. And so I've been away from Canada for a while. Got it. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your past, because um, I know everybody's dying to hear all this sort of stuff. What, um, do you think that your high school self expected you to be here at ITP? 
Yeah, I do. Um, in a weird, like, unknowing way. Before I went to architecture school, I actually did a year at Queen's University, um, which is in Kingston, studying cognitive science in the School of Computing. And at the time, it didn't feel like the right fit. I couldn't wrap my head around why people would want to um, model machines after the thought processes of humans, and I just, I, I wasn't on board with that line of thinking, and that was sort of, that was Queen's take on cognitive science. University of Toronto has a different take where it's more philosophical and um, sociology based, but um, anyway, so it's interesting seeing where I am now and the work that I'm interested in that sort of brings people and technology together, that at the time I think that's what I was looking for, but I didn't quite know how to find it. Um, and so my high school self, I think, is glad that I took that sort of circuitous route to get here. Um, but looking back, it's like, oh, geez, yeah, of course I was supposed to end up here. Right. Everything contributes to yeah. where you are now, ultimately. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you have a project that you're, that you contributed to that you're particularly proud of? Yes. I would hope everybody would say yes to that, right? Um... So I run this thing called the Digital Pigeon, which is an email newsletter, which is entirely self-indulgent. Um, I have a tab hoarding problem where I just open any link <laughs> that basically crosses my path. Send me emails with links, I'll click them, I'll open them. But it just takes a very long time to get through them all. And so I figured the ironic part is like so many links come from emails and then all of a sudden I would like bundle them back up into an email. Um, but so yeah, so I pick from the selection of links that I open up during the week. I pick a, you know, a list of four or five and repackage them up into this email. But I'm particularly proud of it because, despite my recent hi hiatus on it, it was going steadily for a long period of time, for like, you know, 35 weeks at a time, which was a big commitment, you know, a weekly newsletter thing. Um, and having to like write a little blurb about every link. And it was, um put on, so, uh, Swiss Miss, aka Tina something or other, who runs Creative Morning, started Creative Mornings, which is this, um, monthly, uh, get-together of creative folks all around the world. They're sponsored by MailChimp, which is the provider of many email newsletters or platform for email newsletters. They started a site, so Creative Morning started a site to highlight, um, cool newsletters, and the Digital Pigeon was on there, nice. mostly because I tweeted at her, so it was, like, entirely, yeah. you know, self-selected. I feel like you have to self-sell. Yeah, and exactly. Here, 100%, everybody should take that note. Right. Um, so tweeted it at her, got selected, and then, like, my subscriber list blew up. Um, but I guess the, like, the disappointing fact is that every time I send a new email newsletter, I get, like, a couple unsubscribes. Um, but then you also get new subscribers. Um, well, those are but, the people you want, right? Yeah, exactly. The people that want to be there is the people Right, you want. right. Yeah, I think I should subscribe to that because I have so many tabs open as yeah. well, and yeah. my MacBook Pro is so slow, <laughs> yeah. and my last company, um, the IT guy was like, Chris, you can't have this many tabs yeah. open, your, your MacBook Pro is not going to work, and right. I was like, this is not okay! No, no, I think it's a problem, we should probably start a, like, support group. <laughs> Recently... Before I was going to send a newsletter, I just closed all my tabs individually, but I tweeted the link back out through Twitter, and so it was kind of like giving the tab back to the internet, and so it was 
tab bankruptcy, but at least it like went somewhere. So I would recommend that if you have some problems. <laughs> I'm gonna try that. Um, is there a project or something that you've experienced that you failed at? Oh, and if so, what did you learn from it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted, everybody's got these, like they have this idea for some great project they're going to do, and your technical ability is just like hampering it to fruition for whatever reason. Um, and so there was a piece I was working on for my portfolio to get into here, which was about mining my vacation photos um, and trying to make this really cool like interactive map and database and it was like all of it combined and just like technically couldn't figure it out in the time um, and so I just ended up making a mock-up like an animated mock-up of it um, which got the job done but it's still a bummer because you know that it could be this really cool thing right um, and then it just but that's why we're here, so that we can exactly. meet other people to learn how to do these things. Exactly. So. Yes. Okay, so then the last question we're asking people is, what do you think your parents think you're doing at ITP? I think um, my mom thinks I'm at summer camp. And I used to go to summer camp where I'd make stuff, right? And it was kind of structured like school. There were four classes, and you got to pick them from a like, little catalog. Um, they were fun. There was, like, one on meditation, which sounds a little hippy-tippy. But there was also, like, um, science classes. It was held at a university, and so you got to use the labs. There was, uh, health and recreation. Anyway, so there were, like, a wide range of classes, and you were always doing cool things and then sending them home to your parents or whatever. But I think she thinks this is kind of just, like, a bigger-scale version of that with computers. There was even computer class at that summer camp. Um, but I don't... When I told her that Apple came by, I think she sort of got it a little bit more. Um, but she's always been incredibly supportive, so as long as I'm happy doing what I'm doing, she's cool with it. Which is a very, like, privileged parent position to be in. Like, I appreciate that not everybody has that support. Um, but I think she likens it to summer camp. <laughs> Except not during the summer. <laughs> and something that you have to, like, pay a lot more for. It's a little bit more than yeah. summer camp, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That is all that I have to ask you for today. Great. Thanks for having me. I am Dominic Barrett. Hopefully, 2018 will be graduating. <laughs> if there is... One thing that you recommend everybody see, what would that be? Ooh, that's a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a heavy one. I would recommend that everybody takes time to see the neighborhood that they live in uh, at dawn. That uh, things are totally different. The light is different. The sun's coming from a different direction. Mm -hmm. If there are people outside, um, they're totally different people. It's just something you never see, you know, well, usually you never see five o'clock in the morning or something like yeah. that. And it's, it's your place or it's your town or your block or neighborhood or whatever, but it's totally different. It's kind of, kind of cool. Is there a particular place that you have in mind when you're 
talking about that? Yeah, uh, the the town that I grew up in, I had just by chance, I mean, maybe I was trying to make a flight or something like that, or um, I don't know why I was up that early. But yeah, I was kind of walking down the main strip of my street, and it was a place that I had seen for, you know, decades. Mm -hmm. And it just felt really familiar, but also really different and strange at the same time. It was just yeah. an interesting, interesting feeling. And that it was there the whole time, you know, I'd been sleeping through it, you know. Mm -hmm. That's like a, you know, go see the Mona Lisa or, you know, this mountain or whatever, you know. Those are great things, but it's also kind of nice to have these weird special things to see that are more or less, like, right in front of you. You just right. don't know it. And, and where is the town that you grew up? Oak Park, Illinois. It's the first suburb west of Chicago. I was born in Chicago two, three years there when I was little, and then uh, my family moved to Oak Park. My parents um, still uh, still live there, and mm -hmm. I got, you know, buddies who live in the area or live in the city, stuff like that, so uh, I like being able to go back mm -hmm. because I can keep tabs on what's, what's changing, but also have that nostalgia hit for, you know, some things don't change, you know, which is nice. I mean, it's funny. I think there's sort of a parallel between seeing a place at dawn and, and seeing a place after you've been away for a, a while. That is true. Yeah, it's that creepy, like, half-familiarness, mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something that, uh, that you can feel. And even in Chicago as well. After I graduated from undergrad, I lived in the city for a couple years. Mm -hmm. um, and I have friends who, who live there, and, you know, I'll go out and hang out with them, and just how cities change. It, it can be weird. Sometimes it's it makes you happy because a place might be getting better, um, but then sometimes it, you know, might make you sad, you know. It's the place. It's still the same place. Feels familiar, maybe a little bit different, mm -hmm. you know. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of emotional in a way. Definitely. Is this your first time living in New York? Yes moved here uh, a few months ago. I had been living in uh, Portland, Oregon for seven years before I came here. So undergrad, then Chicago, then Portland, and uh, now here. So it's, uh, it's a change. Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a change, but it's, it's nice to get back to a big city, you know. I'm getting in the, the New York swing of things yeah. a little bit or trying to. <laughs> Moving anywhere uh, is is great at any age. It's like you can feel your brain mm. elasticity just stretching, and you're you're not on a routine anymore. Mm -hmm. You're learning new spots. You can feel like your brain is 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 going and absorbing new stuff. So yeah. I, I like that feeling in general. Let alone that it's New York. When I'm in a new place, I I do like what it does to my brain, you yeah. know, um, so even if it makes me uncomfortable or maybe like a little less efficient, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of shopping for groceries or doing <laughs> my laundry, you know, I'm a lot slower at that than yeah. I used to be, but that's cause I'm in this, you know, crazy new place. So, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it does, it is good for me. Um, mm -hmm. it changes the way I think, like all of my ideas are, are different when I'm in a new spot. Yeah, it just kind of, like, kicks in, like, a different gear in my brain, and it, it definitely makes me more creative, mm. I would say, for sure. 
have you already felt that happening in regards to ITP? Yeah, you're just stacking yeah. new upon new upon new, you know, mm -hmm. new city, you know, new school. I, I graduated undergrad in 2006, so mm -hmm. I haven't been to school in a decade. Um, so that's new. Um, in a way, it's kind of like a new job. And then um, it's not just I ITP, it's all the people in mm -hmm. ITP. Mm -hmm. So it's like new people with a whole bunch of ideas. So I'm always like writing down notes in my cell phone, you know, app or just like in the back of a notebook or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely... They're not all great ideas, <laughs> but they're they're coming in fast for sure. What are some of the things that you're most excited about that you've written notes about? So I have a background in programming mm -hmm. and graphic design, but I I also really like um, electronic music, mm. um, and I do like making art. So you know I want to increase all of those skills in terms of. The technical aspects, you know, I want to be a better programmer, you know, I want to have a better eye for graphic design, um, but also in theory, just learning more about the history of these things and mm -hmm. being well read on all of those topics. Um, so those are the things that I care about, but sometimes my ideas will <laughs> just be like, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll grab my cell phone and I'll just write down, like, a Roomba that paints. <laughs> I'm not sure why I decided to write it down. In the moment, I must have been dreaming. It, or something where I thought, like, no, this is, this is good. This yeah. is a good idea. I'm going to want to come back to this. Um, so I'm not really sure how that idea mm -hmm. directly relates to my actual passions. But yeah. I just have, like, a bunch of kind of harebrained, like, sketches and stuff like mm -hmm. that um, stashed away somewhere. Um, I do want to work with, you know, making musical interfaces, like making tools for artists to use, you know, mm -hmm. using this technology to make it easier for people to do what they want to do. Um, program things that make it easier for artists. I view it as, as a medium. Technology mm. is the medium that we are artists in here mm -hmm. at ITP. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, help people use the medium, help people hold the brush or, you yeah. know, take, take the photo with the camera. You know, it's not, it's not easy, you know, it's not easy mm -hmm. stuff. So all of the things that you can do to help people along with that it produces th these tremendous changes. The whole Arduino platform, the basic idea is to, all of the that stuff existed. You could do everything that you, you do with an Arduino in PCOMP with these separate discrete components and there'd be some, you know, electrical engineering nerd who's like, oh yeah, that's super duper simple, but people came together and said, no, this needs to be easier. We're gonna mm -hmm. put it on one board and we're going to make the programming language super easy, and you just double-click the Arduino icon, you put in the code, it sends it to the board. Like, these little things uh -huh. have made huge changes because it's just easier to do. It's not like they discovered, you know, the theory of relativity. It's not that kind of development or, or genius, but it's like the genius of, like, making things accessible. So that kind of stuff is what really attracted me to ITP, definitely. And you mentioned to me earlier that you're interested in teaching as well. Is, is that about 
accessibility and kind of bringing people in. Yeah, yeah, because it can be so daunting, you mm -hmm. know, programming in general. I mean, computers. Computers are hard. It's easy to forget when you're kind of fluent in one thing or the other how intimidating it can be for an outsider. But once people kind of get the hang of it, they don't even need to be good. They just need to know enough to be like, oh, so this means I can, and then their brain runs off with mm -hmm. it. Now, more than ever, I think people appreciate the possibilities. But even mm -hmm. still, I think that there are a lot of people who might not truly feel what they can accomplish, you know? And yeah. if you can show them that, people will light up. People will really be like, oh, oh yeah, that, mm -hmm. you know, oh, and then what if I put in an LED or a motor or this or that? Like, they they will do it, but it's just kind of, it's kind of hard to get people started with that, you know? If you want to get someone painting, you put a brush in their hand and you show them the canvas and here's some paints. Like, it's pretty easy to to show people this is what it can do, and it's easy to basically start. It's it's a lot more difficult to have that kind of moment uh, when you're programming or doing something like the physical computing with Arduinos, which is why I think a lot of people don't do it, because it's harder to kind of just start and see something on your canvas, quote-unquote. So yeah, teaching is, is a part of that, but it's kind of like teaching to share the joy. I love this stuff, and I know that if certain people understood what I understood, they would love it just as much, if not more. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of ITP's podcast. Stay tuned for next week, where we're going to introduce more students and their stories. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to be a part of it, reach out to Alex Fast, Chris Hall, Patrick Presto, or Laura Carey. We'll see you next week.